Welcome to the Invested Dads Podcast, simplifying financial topics so that you can take action and make your financial situation better, helping you to understand the current world of financial planning and investments. Here are your hosts, Josh Robb and Austin Wilson. All right. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to the Invested Dads Podcast, a podcast where we take you on a journey to better your financial future. Today, we are going to be discussing the big question, how much house can I afford. I hope you could afford the whole house because that would just be weird if you just showed up with half a house. This is all I could afford. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. The roof's missing, but you'll be all right. Hopefully <laughs> it doesn't rain. I Put bought a three-bedroom house, but I only paid for two. Yes. <laughs> Third bedroom will be arrived. It's on, it's on consignment. So yeah, not quite, but that's in the same ballpark yes. of what we're talking about of houses. So we're talking about really the numbers and the nitty-gritty and some thoughts behind how much in terms of dollars? Yeah. I guess we don't really get into size. Yeah, it's not how much size of house can you afford, but that's the end result is exactly. because you're saying how much mortgage can I sustain, and the mortgage will then dictate what type of house you can get. Absolutely. But most people look at it from the house standpoint. So yes, what, how what house much can house can I afford in terms of what size mortgage yes. can I have? Because because it's a different it's a different question if you say how much house can I afford, but I'm not using a mortgage. That's like how, how much, much cash, cash do you, you have? have. Yeah, <laughs> but that's how many pretty dollars rare. Dollars are in your piggy bank. That is pretty rare. So Josh, hit oh, us. I got a stat for you with some you stats. Yep. In 2019, this is when they did this last research. 86 percent of home buyers used a mortgage to close the deal on their house. See, only 14 percent of have that cash yes. just on hand, out of, or they're selling it or they're buying it with Bitcoin. Yeah. Well, who knows what they're doing? Who knows what they're doing? That number isn't that surprising to me. Yeah. I it's, actually thought it would be higher. And especially with the low interest rates that we had in 2019, mm-hmm. we've had in 2020, and we have in 21. Yep. Interest rates are so low that it makes borrowing for a house really easy. Even if you have the cash on hand, mm-hmm. it's almost lucrative to yep. borrow for it. Yep, definitely. So how do you do this? So the question always is, well, okay, how do I know how much I can afford in a mortgage without it hurting everything else? And so we're going to talk first about how lenders look at things because yep. they'll be the ones approving your mortgage. So how how do they look at your affordability or sustainability? Now, they come from one perspective Right, they want to make sure that if they're lending the money, they have a high chance of getting paid. So back. low risk on yeah, their part. Low risk, but they also want to make sure that the more money they lend you, they're going to collect more interest. So mm-hmm. it's this balance between how much can I lend out with still keeping that security or the higher probability of payback. Right, so that's their approach. Right, they don't care what your budget looks like. They don't care how tight things are on your spending. They just are going to run these numbers and say, from our standpoint of getting repayment, here's as much the max. We're willing to give you absolutely. So what they use is what's called the twenty-eight thirty-six rule. Wow, that is not. It's not that is very normal weird numbers. Yes. Numbers and in our industries, there's a lot of rule of thumbs. You know, there's the rule of seventy-two, which Austin. Ooh, we love the rule of seventy-two. So that's if you take the return or the growth rate or any, any percentage, percentage divided by seventy-two, you get the years it takes to double. I guess essentially yep. at that point is what yep. we use it for. So if you have a ten percent return. Yep. 72 divided by 10 7. is 7.2 or 7.2 years. years. Yeah. So that's in 7.2 years, if you average 10%, you're going to double Boom. your money. So that's a cool rule. Yep. This is another one. So this rule, 2836, why those numbers? Because again, the banks have found that if you have 28% of your pre-tax income, so your gross income. And this is interesting to me because mm-hmm. the, the pre-tax side of it is a very different story than the post-tax side yes. of it. 
but they're using pre-tax figures. That's why they ask for your pay statements yes. or whatever, yeah. not can, your bank statements that have your take-home. There could be a lot of things withheld that are deceitful on your beginning and ending of your yeah. pay stub, right? Yeah. You could have other things withheld out of there, and they want to know your gross so they can start with there and then yep. go back from there. But they're looking at your gross income, so your pre-tax income. 28% of that can go towards your total housing expenses. Now, yes. I'm betting the same mortgage. It goes to your total housing expenses, which include... It's a bucket. Yes. Your mortgage, your principal and interest, that's all that in your mortgage, property tax, and insurance. Yep. Those are your housing things together. And PMI, we'll get in that in a minute, but private mortgage insurance is... Another safety feature banks put on if they you don't have enough down payment. Typically, you don't get that 20%, typically less than twenty. Yeah, twenty percent is kind of their threshold. So down payment. So let's say you're buying a house for hundred thousand dollars. Okay, if you take a full loan, hundred thousand dollars, there's no equity in the house. You you owe the same amount that it's worth. Correct. Very so risky. The bank is taking a lot of risk mm-hmm. in that if you default and they have to sell the house, they're not going to really make anything off of that. And if the value goes down they aren't going to recoup their full amount. Right. So what they like to see is you have a down payment or in other words, you reduce the mortgage versus what the home is so worth. So you have some skin in the game. You own part of the house. Yep. So using my example, if it's a $100,000 house, 20% down, you have an $80,000 mortgage. This $80,000, so if the housing market has some trouble, they have a 20% cushion yep. that the market could drop before they're equal to what they've given out. Right. So typically when you're thinking about banks, banks... If you have decent credit, now everyone's credit's different, but yep. we, and, and check out, we have a full episode on your credit yep. score, but if you have decent credit, banks will usually offer to do a mortgage for uh, all the way down to 5%. Yes, 5% is the low end of most mortgages, yep. of what, 5% down yep. is what it was what most banks will lend to. Yep. And some now like you'll get VA and some special yeah. loans, you can go even down to like 3.5%. But now, the general. less down payment you have, the yep. higher your interest rate is and the more you have PMI on top yep. of that. And all that is, is they're adding on interest to your mortgage that they're pay- you're paying them as insurance for not having enough of a down payment. Yep. And so that just increases your cost. Now that does typically fall off when you hit the 20% equity threshold. Right. just to cover that gap. But if you get to that 20% equity threshold and you don't see it automatically fall off, call because yes, they'll drop sure. it. Yes. They need to do that. So 28% is the total housing expenses. That's their threshold. So that's the starting point. They That 36, so there's 28, 36. So what's that other one? They also look at, because you may have other debts. And so they want to make sure that adding this new debt doesn't overburden you. So 36% of your total, again, pre-tax gross yep. income should be your debt. So Including housing. Yes. So in other words, if you already owe 20%, of your pre-tax income yeah, to 16. other debt, you can't yep. get the full 28% mortgage rate. They're going to use yep. that as a, as a stop point. You could only get 16 in there. So those two work together. So what are those other debt? It could be credit cards, car loans, personal loans. Student loans are usually what you see a lot of times yep. as a piece of that. So they look at all your monthly debts and say, okay, we know you have those obligations, so we can't tack on another 28%. we got to make sure the cap is 36 Now, what they're looking at, though, is not the outstanding balances. It's yep. the payment amounts. And the payment amounts would be on credit cards or whatever. It would be like the minimum is what they will use in their calculation. Yes. But even though you're hope- hopefully don't be yes. the person who pays any, no. any you, that yeah. minimum. Just don't care credit card debt. <laughs> That's the big rule. Yeah. So here's an example. All right. 2836 rule says, uh, let's say I make $5,000 gross a month, then... 
$1,400 is my housing cost every month. Now, this also works for renters, by the way, if you're not getting a mortgage out. But if you want to know how much can I spend on my rent, right. you can use the 2836 rule and apply that. So your rent shouldn't be more than $1,400 a month as well. So that's just a little sidebar there. We're not talking about renting today. Yeah, so I guess extrapolate that out. That is you. That is a pre-tax income of yep. $60,000 can mm-hmm. afford, based yep. on that rule, $1,400 per month on yep. housing. Yep. Now that includes the mortgage and taxes and insurance, yes. as you've talked about. Yes, it's not just my mortgage. And a lot of times when you get a mortgage from a bank, they're going to put the property tax in there as well. Yeah. And some, I mean, I don't know, most don't do insurance, but that, that you need to factor that in. And they can run those numbers. Most around. do. They, they yeah, love they, that in there as if well. If you, you give them your insurance policy... They will accrue just like right. they, they do with they property. They put it off taxes. to the side. You're right. They they, they accrue you it in their own little account, account, and they pay it for you. Yeah, which you should be doing on your own. <laughs> Either if way, you, yeah. if you're not having the bank take care of your taxes and insurance, you should set that side that money aside automatically. Every if month. you don't pay monthly, if you if don't you pay, pay annual, monthly, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And usually paying annually, you save money too. That's side exactly note. true. All right. So high level. That's how a bank looks at your affordability. Twenty eight thirty six. Twenty eight thirty six. All right. Perfectly round, even numbers that everyone can remember. Right in your brain all the time. So, Josh, I got a dad joke of the you week got for a you. A good one for it's me. It's a good sure. one. Because you laughed when you read it. I so did I'm laugh ready. when I read it from Reddit. Reddit on Reddit. 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 What did the stamp say to the letter? Ooh, I don't know. Stick with me, and you'll go places. Oh, I like it. <laughs> I like it. I saw a thing that said car keys technically travel farther than the car ever does, and that that stuck with huh. me. Think about because that, yeah. they're always in the car when it travels. So that's equal. Pocket, in but a pocket. it leaves the car and goes other places in your pocket. Oh, so. the places they've been. <sighs> this blew my mind. That should be a kid's yes. book. All right. So <laughs> that's what a bank does. Yeah. We don't necessarily say that maxing out that 28%, 36%, that's right. ideal for everybody. Because Especially the 36 Yes, that's a lot. Well, you shouldn't try to eliminate as much debt as exactly. you can. Exactly. Is, is the key. But what, what we're going to talk about next is the more intangible piece from a financial perspective from us saying, okay, the banks are telling you how much you can max, but maxing isn't always the key. Yeah. The key here is we don't want to be house rich and cash poor. Ooh, I think you're going to explain this. Yes. And what do so you mean what by does that, that mean? Yeah. So you can have a lot of net worth, meaning value, but because of cash constraints, you don't have a lot of cash flow. Yep. So if you own a lot of property and have debt to it, even if the debt to equity, you have a lot of value, your monthly cash flow may be tight where you don't have right. much to spend elsewhere. Or vacations. Yeah. Or, or if an emergency comes up, oh. you can't sell a piece of your house. No. You, you, it's all or nothing. And so you may not have access to a lot of the equity you show on paper. Now, we're not including home equity loans in that. That's a no, real that's, thing. That's a whole other thing. Yeah. But yes, house rich and cash poor is a reality for a lot of people. The bigger and more extravagant and elaborate your house is, the more expenses you're going to have to, A, for property insurance and taxes, yep. that's going to be higher. So that'll drain your cash flow. But also, just the upkeep on bigger houses yeah. is more expensive. There are more things to go wrong. Yeah, if you have a vaulted ceiling, you got to change that light bulb. So you got to oh, get an extension man. ladder and, oh man, <laughs> just keep that ceiling close. Exactly. So that, yeah, we do not want people to be house rich and cash poor where they can't fund their needs, for one, if they have to have them, or where they don't have discretionary income on top of their housing and stuff to do things like that they want to do or to yep. save for retirement or those sort of things. Yep. My next thought is, you know, just because you 
you can afford. So say that example, you, you make $60,000 yep. a year. $1,400. The $1,400 is your limit that the bank yep. will give you per month. Yep. And they extrapolate that out to a home price or whatever for you. Yep. Just because you can afford mm-hmm. that much doesn't necessarily mean that you should yes. buy that much house. In fact, my thinking is, and this is kind of the way that I've done things in my life, is if you can live in a more modest house and have a lower mortgage and invest the difference, yes. you're likely... Now, I'm not going to say guaranteed because we no can't make guarantees the future, no. but you're likely going to come out way ahead over time. And this is because the stock market has historically done way better than home prices over long periods of time. Yeah. Now, it's a lot more volatile and over shorter terms, very different returns. But over long periods of time... This year, houses have done really well. Exactly. So is the stock yeah. market. Yes. I mean, it's well. crazy. Yeah. So anyway, that's kind of my thought. Don't buy the biggest house you are authorized to buy. Yeah. And you mentioned investing the difference. Not just investing the difference, but making sure that adjusting or upgrading your house, whatever you want to look at it, if that makes you reduce what your savings, that that could be a problem. Yeah. Make sure you talk to your financial advisor about those changes is, you know, if I was saving $500 a month, but now I'm going to increase my mortgage by 300 and now I'm only saving 200 that net difference may impact you long-term more than you realize. Right. And so you're right. Don't, don't ever let it impact your other savings goals by increasing that debt payment to the point where it's causing you to draw money out of other buckets or other strategies or other purposes. Absolutely. And another thought I had is, and Dave, this is a Dave Ramseyism, but don't try and keep up with the Joneses. Like if all your friends and family are upgrading and buying bigger and better and bigger and better houses every couple of years, that's great. They can do whatever they want, they but do they don't have the finances you do. And yeah. because you're listening to this podcast and they're probably not, they should for one. Should, yeah. And you know a secret and that is to not do that. Yes. Don't try and feel pressure to keep up with the Joneses. Yep. Find contentment where you live. If the house fits your needs and all of that, yep. find contentment with where you're at and stay there as long as you can because it's going to go up in value over time, but your payment won't. Mm-hmm. You, you bought it at a certain yeah. point in time. Now, unless we're not talking about adjustable rate mortgages. Yes, that's different that's too. Yeah. But you have the option to make your house what you want. If your house has the bones of what mm-hmm. you want in a house, if it has the size and the rooms and all this stuff, you don't have to buy one that's completely done for you already. You could buy something that has checks the boxes but maybe isn't up to date and then just slowly improve it and renovate it and improve it and yeah. renovate it over time. And you're going to come out ahead because you bought a house way cheaper mm-hmm. than if you went one and bought one that was already done. Yep. So that's kind of one of my thoughts on there. You know, the other piece there, and we mentioned it, is short-term versus long-term goals. And if your priorities are, I'm a family person, I want my kids, I want this house to be a spot everybody congregates to, then maybe that makes sense. But understand which other goals will be impacted. If you are having two competing goals, you're going to have to decide which one's more important. And I can't sit here and tell each person which one the answer is until you know it, right? It's not one answer for everybody. There are some who say, you know what? I would rather invest more in my house than I would in X, Y, or Z. That's fine if that's their priorities. You always just need to understand the trade-offs. Mm-hmm. And so when we're talking through this, it's not to say, no, you don't go buy a new house or don't upgrade or don't 
No, it's just understand the ramifications. There may be other ways to get there. There may be a different house that you can put some equity into your own sweat equity. Sweat equity. And get a just as good a house with less burden on you financially. Who knows? So just don't make rash decisions. Think through it. Make sure you run the numbers. Talk to your advisor if you have one because that's very important. They can help you through those decisions. And it's probably also just really important to not think of the home and the home purchase process as a silo you know, in your financial picture because it impacts everything. Yes. So it is really, it really should be taken into consideration with your entire financial plan and how you are investing your money yes. and how you're saving your money and how you're spending your money in other ways. Yep. It Great. all Great. needs to be looking in the, at the same place. So that's why it's good to work with an advisor because they can kind of look at the entire picture there. Mm-hmm. Right? I like that. You, I know you would like that, Josh. Josh, here's the question. Yes. Should you buy a house? Yes. Okay. That's it. You know, again, we talked about renting versus owning a home. And the answer was, it depends on your situation. This is the same thing. If you already own a home, should you upgrade or move? Maybe. Did you buy a house with two bedrooms and now you have six kids? Maybe it's time. (laughs) I don't know. But yeah, it really just depends. And that's really the answer is everybody has unique situation and you got to think through those choices. People ask though too, like right now, housing prices are up, right? We've had a strong thing. Yep. It's like, well, I could sell my house for more, but I'm going to buy it. So don't... You're even coming out ahead, yeah. Don't look at that. And I always say, you know, it's the same as like the stock market. It's not what's happening now. It's, does this make financial sense for me? So it's right. the same as the stock market's up. Well, I should probably wait for it to drop before I invest. Well, who knows? Because it could keep going up. And then you say, well, I wish I would have bought then. It's the same as true with houses. Like, yes, they're up in price now. But if you can sell your house for high and buy it for high, as long as it's affordable, then doesn't really matter if you got what you needed for that situation and you're comfortable for what you paid for. Right. And that's really the answer. So don't... What I did see is I saw an article during this research that you know because of the housing market being so hot right now, people are foregoing all the safety measures put in place like inspections oh, yeah. and all the... Buying houses sight unseen. Do and, not rush through the process yeah. just to get it done. There is a lot of things that people will do. And that's what happened in 0809 too, is they were paying unreasonable prices with the expectation that it would continue. Right. Make your assumptions on, can I afford what I'm getting into? Not... If it goes up, I can sell it for a profit. But where I'm at, is it affordable for me? And so that's the answer to this whole thing. Absolutely. So that was a really big tangent on me finding a way to creatively ask Josh how he can say it depends or in depends. moderation. In moderation. Yeah, those you are the things. have a moderate house all the time. But it depends. It depends if you have a moderate house. Exactly. So... Thank you for being here this week. Two quick reminders, and there's not that many weeks left of our stock draft, which I'm winning. You are. You're kicking butt. That's right. Go Bitcoin. It's not too late, though, to enter it. It And hopefully this episode comes out before the end of the year, which it will. It will. In that case, you have a couple weeks probably to start with a fresh hundred grand and try and beat me so that's number one number two as always check out our free gift to you it's a brief list of eight principles of timeless investing overarching investment themes meant to keep you on track to meet your long-term goals a house and all of that is part of your financial picture so think about that when you're looking at it check it out it's free on our website josh how can people help us grow this podcast yeah make sure you subscribe that way every thursday you get our most recent episode sent directly to you Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's always great. Helps us rank higher so more people find us when they're searching. And then if you have any thoughts, questions, have questions about the housing market, send us an email at hello at theinvesteddads.com. We love hearing from you. Love your ideas for episodes. We always 
take those and try to record those as soon as possible because if that's what you want to hear we'd love to talk about it that's right and then if you know somebody who's talking about houses or think about buying shoot them this episode hopefully it will help them all right well until next thursday have a great week yep talk to you later bye thank you for listening to the invested dads podcast this episode has ended but your journey towards a better financial future doesn't have to Head over to theinvesteddads.com to access all the links and resources mentioned in today's show. If you enjoyed this episode and we had a positive impact on your life, leave us a review. Click subscribe and don't miss the next episode. Josh Robb and Austin Wilson work for Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. All opinions expressed by Josh, Austin, or any podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Hicks and Zerker Capital Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. There is no guarantee that the statements, opinions, or forecasts provided herein will prove to be correct. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Indices are not available for direct investment. Any investor who attempts to mimic the performance of an index would incur fees and expenses, which would reduce returns. Securities investing involves risk, including the potential for loss of principal. There is no assurance that any investment plan or strategy will be successful.